Hey, good morning, Elevate. How are you this morning? Happy Australia Day, long weekend. Fantastic. Well done for being here. And uh, it was good to know that we actually had fireworks this year. No tragedies. Welcome to our first time guests. Great to have you here this morning. However it is you came to be here, we're glad you're here. We're have been expecting you and uh, we prepare everything we do with you as the priority in mind to be with us. Those of you here for the second time, you're our second time guests. Third time, we'll call you our third time guests. And if you're here for the fourth time, you are now, in the words of the Godfather, part of the family. So, (laughs) welcome to the family. We're actually finishing uh, a series that we launched intentionally at the beginning of this year, 2018, called what, How to Get What You Really Want. And we asked the question in the first week, January 7th, what do you want? And it's the sort of question that you and I may have very well asked in uh, January previously. And it seems like a pretty innocuous question. It seems like a pretty obvious question, but actually I would put it to you that it's actually, it's a very complicated question. It's a very tricky question. And in fact, it's possibly even a very misleading question. What do you want? Because the chances are that you, like me, can look in our rear view window of our life and there's been things that you've wanted for and that you've actually got. And when you got it, you realise that wasn't what you wanted at all. It wasn't what you really wanted. And so we've kind of drilled in a little bit deeper beyond the question of what do you want to actually then start to ask the question, what do you value? Because behind what we want is ultimately what we value. But even what we value, this idea of, of identifying what we value, which, which we don't often take time to drill into, to identify. Our values kind of lurk in our peripheral vision, but they are there. They, they, however, require us to often turn and focus in on them. But even then, when we start to get clarity around what it is we value, it doesn't mean that we'll naturally gravitate towards doing the things driven by our values. Because how many times have you found yourself doing what you didn't want to do and then not doing what you did want to do. And this, this, this tug of war, this wrestling match is taking place on the inside of us all of the time because too often what we naturally want is in conflict with what we ultimately value. And so last week, we drilled a little bit deeper and we asked the question, what does God really want? What does God really want for you? And, and, and there's a couple of very important distinctions there. You, you notice I said, what does God really want for you? Because a lot of people are afraid of God because they only see God as wanting something from them. God wants my money. God only wants my time. God only wants to stop me, me to stop doing the things that I enjoy. And He wants to just be a buzzkill and give me a list of things that I, that I can do and I can't do. And all the things on the can-do list are things that aren't fun anymore. And the things on the can't-do list are all the things that are fun. But because God's a buzzkill, I don't wanna know what He really wants. But as we get a, a, an understanding of the nature and the character and the love and the mercy and the grace of God, it, it, we discover that what God really wants is not something from us, but ultimately something for us. And the something that He wants for us is more and better than where we are today. And here's the thing. 
You want more and better than where you are today. That's actually the thing that fuels New Year's resolutions, more and better. 2017 could have been great, but even then we, we, we step into a new year with, with new goals and new dreams that are about more and better. Even if 2017 might've been lousy, then you definitely wanna step into 2018 saying, I want 2018 to be about more and better. But God is also about more and better. And if we understand that God is about more and better, and we already know that we're about more and better, then, then immediately we start to discover that what God really wants and what we, we really want aren't that far apart. There's a lot of overlap and that's exciting. It means we don't have to resist, we don't have to run, we don't have to hide, we don't have to avoid. We can actually open ourselves up and lean in to a God who really wants very similar things to what we really want. Now, we're teaching this series in a prevailing culture that will not actually give us what we really want. We're teaching this series in a first world Western culture that is actually designed to not point us towards what we really want. In fact, our first world Western culture is actually designed to distract us from what we really want and, and, and just have us hover only at the surface of what we want. In fact, think about this. Our prevailing first world Western culture is actually designed around getting us to focus on upgrades and experiences. Upgrades and experiences. You, you, you remember those two words and, and you'll start to see a lot of things that aren't looking in the shadows, they're right in front of you, but they're focused on upgrades and experiences. Now, I, I might sound like a hypocrite because actually Louie and I have just upgraded our home and we're in the process of doing upgrades in our home. So it's not that upgrades or experiences are bad. It's that they can distract us if they become the priority of our focus they can distract us from what we really want. And the problem becomes, if we live in a prevailing culture that's designed to get us to focus on upgrades and experiences, who or what is actually gonna help us focus on what we really want? The media aren't. In fact, the media only make a profit if they can get you to act on the upgrades and the experiences that they're promoting. Again, no, they're not all bad, but that's the only thing that they're focused on. That's a commercial. It's an upgrade or an experience. That's what's being promoted to us. What you have is no longer good enough or no longer enough. So start smoking what we're selling and life will be more and better for you. That's the thing. So the media is not gonna help us focus on what we really want. Your workplace isn't most of them time anyway, your workplace is focused around productivity and provision. If you produce, we give you money, your family eats food. That's what it's about. There's very few workplaces that are focused around building your character, that are focused around you building a legacy. They're, they're, you're employed to do a job, 
to provide a service or a product. And if you provide the service and a product that's somehow requisite with your job description, we'll give you money and you get to go home. And, 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 and that's the transaction. So church is one of the few places on the planet where we will actually consistently focus your attention on what you really want. The problem there is you're only here an hour a week. So what about the other 167 hours? Well, you're out in the so-called real world. Oh, well, I'm part of an Elevate group. Okay, every second week for two more hours. So that's split there. So that's two and a half hours a week. Well, I'm also part of an Elevate team and I occasionally catch up with coffee for someone from Elevate. Sure, but I'm just saying that the overwhelming majority of your time is spent in the wild, in our first world prevailing culture, and, and just about everything coming at you is not focused on you getting what you really want. And in fact, it will distract you from getting what you really want. You have to be afraid of it. You do, however, have to be aware of it. Now, if you open your Elevate app and I don't have a fresh joke and I can't recycle last week's, if you open, as brilliant as it was, if you open your Elevate app, you can tap on the Bible tab there. It'll take you straight to a letter written by one of the early heavyweights of the church, a guy named Paul. And Paul wrote this particular letter. In fact, there's quite a number of the letters he wrote and he wrote them to churches in major ports, major cities around the Mediterranean, the sort of the epicenter of the known world at the time. He started most of the churches in the places that he wrote letters to. This one, however, that I wanna focus in today was written to the Romans and Paul didn't actually start that church. In fact, he'd never been there when he wrote this letter to them. And what was fascinating about it, and this isn't what I've got time to go into this morning, but what was fascinating about it is Paul wrote this letter about 25 years. He wrote this letter to, 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 to the church in Rome about 25 years after Jesus had, had risen from the dead. And, and, and Paul hadn't gone there to start a church. This church had, had, had grown and was thriving 25 years later, about 2,000 kilometres away from where Jesus died and rose again. No internet, no blogs, no social media. This was simply the eyewitness accounts being passed on and validated over 25 years, eventually reaching 2,000 kilometres away. And the church in Rome started and was growing and was thriving. And because it was growing and because it was thriving, Paul felt in, in, in inclined to write to them. This place matters. I mean, Rome was the, the centre of the known world, the Roman Empire. But, but it's, it's amazing to think that, that the eyewitness accounts caused 25 or 25 years, 2,000 kilometres away, a church to, to start and to grow and to thrive. Must be some power in those eyewitness accounts, huh? So Paul wrote this letter. Now, we're gonna pick it up in chapter 12. Back in when Paul wrote it, it was just a letter. He didn't put chapters and verses. We've put them in to kind of make it easier to find. You don't even have to know them now, just Google. But you had to, it's chapter. He, so he starts chapter 12 with this word, therefore, Bam, chapter 12. Now, again, remember, this was a letter. And chapter 12, or what we now call chapter 12, is about the middle of the letter. So Paul had written a bunch of stuff already before he got to this point where he said, therefore. Okay, and, 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 the, and the, the backstory 
of the first 11 chapters was Paul actually outlining and reminding and teaching and reinforcing to the church in Rome that, that God loved them so much, that God's mercy was so rich, that God's grace was so overwhelming that He sent His Son Jesus into the world. Jesus abandoned heaven, was sent by God, His only Son. He sent the only thing He only had one of into the world because of His love and mercy for you. And He sent His Son Jesus into the world to die in your place. He sent His Son Jesus into the world to forgive your sins. He sent His Son Jesus into the world so that you, if you choose to follow Him, can have a relationship with God, can be forgiven and start again, become a a brand new creation. Full stop. Therefore, because of all that, therefore, because of God's mercy, therefore, because of God's love, therefore, because of everything that who God is and everything God has done, this is now what I am teaching you to do about that, to do with that. Now that you know that, now that you've got greater clarity on that, this is what you're to do with that. Therefore, I urge you not gently prompt you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all the things I've just been writing about, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now this, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, they would have understood this metaphor. We don't because we live in a very different culture and a very different context, but in this time, the one thing that the Jewish religion and this sort of new age Roman religions, the one thing they had in common is they both sacrificed animals. They both sacrificed a lot of animals. They were both very bloody religions. And and, and the mindset of both the Roman religions and the Jewish religion was a picture of God as being all powerful and all perfect and very, very angry. And he was very, very angry at them because they could not live up to his perfect standard. And so, so because they couldn't live up to his perfect standard and they did things that were less than his perfect standard, they, they figured they better make him happy before he does something really terrible. And so the way that they tried to make God happy again, cause he was so mad, is they would get an animal, the people would get an animal or several animals, and they would take that animal or those animals to the temple and they'd offer them to the priest or the high priest and the priest would put those animals on the altar and then would, would kill them and, and the blood would be kind of the, 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 the living, would be the sacrifice. We, we sacrifice this animal and this blood washes your sins clean. And so you can go from this place, God's not angry anymore. Well, at least not until you do the next thing that He's gonna get angry about. So He's, he's pleased for a very short window. Well, that's better than nothing, right? And it only cost me a pigeon or a lamb. Paul says to these, to these uh, Roman Jesus followers, reminds them that you don't have to kill any more animals. It's done. No more blood of animals is required for God to be pleased. No more blood of animals is required for you to have a relationship with God. God took care of that. He sent His Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was put on a cross 
and His blood was shed and His blood wiped your sins clean. His blood made you and I pleasing to God. So you didn't have to do the animal thing. No more animals. Well, that's good news. Particularly if you're in an agricultural society, every time they killed an animal, that was some profit. Bam, gone. I was gonna sell that lamb at the market. Well, that was dinner. So the animal thing wasn't good. It was bad for business. So Paul says, it's done. It's done. Whew, this is such good news on so many levels. Yeah, but, but, but what I want instead is for you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Huh? What? Yeah. K- 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 they sell, say to the church leader, can you read that again? Because <laughs> it sounds like you said that what we're, okay, great news, no more animals, but instead we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Uh, uh, all right. So the so the, so the so the the church leader. <clears throat> all right, listen here, dummies. Let me read it to you again. <clears throat> Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. No more death. Oh, <laughs> well, I can handle that. Yeah, yeah. No. Offer yourself as living sacrifices. Well, hang a minute. So, so what Paul's saying is, is I'm meant to walk up and, and lay myself down on the altar. No one's gonna kill me, but, 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 I, but I've gotta stay there. And it's like, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's exactly what Paul's saying. Well, like, that's a bit weird. What's that all about? Gotta go to work tomorrow. I can't just kind of recline on the altar. Well, here's what it's about. It's about writing God a blank check with our lives. It's about living with the posture. God, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? God, I'm gonna live my life with a big fat yes before you even ask me what it is you want me to do next. The answer is yes. So what's the question? I will from this moment forward because of what Jesus has done, because of what Jesus has done. In fact, the key word that you need to to get these two words are in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, write him a blank check. In view of God's mercy, in view of God being a merciful God. I urge you brothers and sisters to say to him, God, the answer's yes. Now, what's the question? In view of God's mercy, stop arm wrestling him. Say to him, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Paul's pretty smart, real smart actually. And he knew that some people would object. He knew that some of you might be struggling right now with switching over to that notion, living as living sacrifices in everything. Saying to him, and the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Because we wanna know what the question is before we give him the answer too many times. But if he's God... If God is merciful, if that's who He is in view of God's mercy, Paul's saying that this is the most rational <laughs> living 
as living sacrifices, living, saying, God, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? If God's merciful, then the most rational thing that you can do for God who is for you is live for Him. These words, true and proper in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Those words true and those words proper in the original Greek, which Paul would have written in, translate to the words logic or logical. If God is good, if God is merciful, if God is loving, well, Paul didn't even he said, because God is good, because God is loving, because God is merciful, because God has done all these things. The most rational thing, the most logical thing that you and I can do is offer ourselves as living sacrifices. God, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? In fact, Paul's saying the most irrational thing we can do is to not offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Because if God is for you, then to resist Him means you're missing out. If God is for you and He wants more and better, then, 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 then to arm wrestle Him or to shot block Him means you're actually going to live less. It actually means you're never going to get what you really want. You're never gonna get what you were created for. You're never gonna know what you were created for. You're never going to, 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 to see yourself in the position to get what you really want if you resist. But Paul's saying it, the most logical thing to do in view of God's mercy is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's one verse. It's amazing. Well, then he keeps going. Verse two. So, he starts to put a little bit of flesh on those bones. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. Our brother-in-law, Ilker, it's a Turkish name, I'm told. Ilker. Ilker uh, runs his own business. It's a, it's a home and business makeover business. So the physical homes, physical places of business. And right now, one of the, the, the projects he's working on is a cafe in Fremantle that the, the, the owners have taken over and they're remodeling it. And so Ilker and his team are doing all of the, the makeovers of the physical space. And one of the, the features that's actually already in the, the place that they wanna keep are these, are these ornate uh, custom uh, aerated concrete bricks, okay? Aerated concrete bricks. I learned something on Australia Day when Elke showed me, told me aerated concrete bricks, but they're, but they're custom designed. They're, and and uh, like, he, he, he does this stuff underwater. He just, and me, on the other hand, I'm good at a lot of things, but, but that sort of thing, not so much. And so the guy said, they had all these bricks in place and the guy that owns the cafe said to Elke, do you know where we can buy these bricks? And Elka said, well, no, there's no way you could buy those bricks because they were custom made. Oh, well, do you know somebody that could, that could uh, make those bricks for us? And Elka's never made bricks in his life. He says, he sees, you know, there's an opportunity to boost the profit on the job. He says, yeah, yeah, I could do that. No clue, never done it. Says, yeah, I could do that. You know, you know, those times when your confidence exceeds your ability and your experience. Yeah, sure, 
Okay, cool. So the guy says, well, I want this many bricks. Uh, Ilka goes, all right, that'll be $7,500. He's like, $7,500, yep, good, done, go and do it. So Ilka goes home, gets on Google, <laughs> starts to teach himself how to make uh, aerated concrete bricks. And what he learned in a very short time is that he had to make a, a wooden, a custom wooden mold and then he would have to, to mix this special aerated concrete mixture, but he would take that mixture and put it into the mold and that concrete mixture would conform to the pattern of the mold. Well, you were born as a baby. I know you don't remember that, but it's true. And when you were a baby, you were, you were lovely. You were, you, I mean, you weren't. You were a bit ugly from the get-go, but you, you became pretty nice after you got cleaned up and had your umbilical cord tied off. And, um, but here's the thing. Over the course of your life, even without you knowing it, you have been shaped and molded. Somebody has been our prevailing Western culture, your culture that you grew up in, moving to Australia or all of the above has been pressing you and trying to get you and your values and your focus into the mold of upgrades and experiences. And Paul says, in view of God's mercy, Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed. This word transformed can also be translated metamorphosis. Now, that caused me to swing my brain back to grade four biology about when I was in grade four, about 73 years ago. And uh, when they were trying to teach us this concept of metamorphosis, some of you know what I'm about to say, they taught us that how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Caterpillar, bad. Butterfly, good. Caterpillar, eat plants. Butterfly, pollinate plants. Caterpillar, squash. Butterfly, fly, be free. And, 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 and we were taught that, that from being a caterpillar to being a butterfly, there's a metamorphosis that takes place, that the entire being, matter, the entire being is transformed into something completely you look at a caterpillar, you look at a butterfly, they don't look like they were ever once related, let alone the same actual creature, right? That's what is meant to happen to us when we say, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you. He says, I will make you a new creation. There will be a metamorphosis that takes place. But one thing to understand, even though in that moment where we say yes to Jesus, our souls are saved. Everything else is a process. Especially how we think. Because when you say yes to Jesus, He doesn't erase the hard drive and give you a brand new reboot. 
He doesn't give you a lobotomy. His blood doesn't wash, it washes away your sins. It doesn't wash away your memories or your patterns of thinking. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you notice that Paul doesn't say be transformed? Go to the next one, uh, Big Johnny, cousin of the future uh, London Marathon winner. Uh, next, there we go. Oh, standby. Is that, a, is that a user issue? Okay, go back. Like to let the church know and all the podcast listeners know because media team members often cop a lot of abuse for not doing their job well. In this particular case, there's a slide missing and I'm afraid it's actually my fault. I don't care. I told you I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. You didn't believe me. Now you know it's true. (laughs) Had the next slide been there, (laughs) or if you're following along on your app, please to follow along on your app, you would already know that Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, dot, 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 ellipsis, by the renewing of your mind. Like a little bit of impact when it's not on the screens. By the renewing of your mind. Paul says the way we get transformed is by the renewing of our mind. What he doesn't say is the way we get transformed is by stopping behaving a certain way and starting behaving a different way. The way we get transformed is by behaving differently. He doesn't even make mention of our behaviour doesn't even mention it. Says the way we get transformed is by the renewing of our mind. And this should be no surprise because some of you have tried to stop doing something that, that you knew was less than God's best for you, but you tried to, doing, tried to do it differently without first changing the way you think about things. And you got short-term obedience, but you went back to doing what you were doing before after a little while. So short-term obedience actually amplified long-term frustration. Some of you grew up in churches and you checked out, you tapped out, you you were done because there was a standard that was held up for you that was so high and so perfect. and, and And you were told, stop doing that, stop doing that. That is bad. God is mad. God is angry. And you thought, man, okay, but I just can't. I've tried, I can't. Paul says, no, no, no. Don't start with changing your behaviour and expect that will transform because transformation doesn't happen from the outside in. Transformation happens from the inside out. So actually this process of transformation, it happens by the renewing of your mind, taking out the old and putting in the new. Yeah, sure, a new hard drive, but it's a process. It will ultimately result in better, different behaviour. Not better as in, no, more of what God really wants for you. More and better, but it starts with renewing the mind, thinking differently, having a different mindset. And when we see as God sees, we're more inclined to do what God wants. When you start seeing your marriage as God sees and designed marriage, you'll start doing in your marriage what God wants. You'll stop fighting with your spouse and start fighting for your spouse. You'll start seeing them as fearfully and wonderfully made. You'll look past the dad bod and have them... uh, 
excite you more every day. Louis wakes up every morning singing John Mayer to me, your body is a wonderland. And I say, sweetheart, I can't help it. It's the way God made me. When you see your time, the way God sees your time, you, you, you say, oh, I haven't got time to serve God. I haven't got time to offer my bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you know the people in our Elevate teams have the same amount of time as you? They fill 24 hours a day, just like you. It's magical. Nobody gets any leftover time at the end of 24 hours each day. Did you know that? So I'm so busy. No, we're all busy because we all somehow fill 24 hours. I'm so busy. How do you know you're busy? I feel 24 hours. Oh my God, me too. I'm busy as well then. I feel 24 hours as well. And I did it yesterday. And you know what? I'm probably gonna do it tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when you start seeing time the way God sees time, your, sh- your priorities shift. And you start saying, you know what? There's probably some things I can do a little bit less of. And, 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 and put God further up my priorities. When you start seeing money, the way God sees money, you'll stop being fearful about it. You'll stop being stressed about it. You'll stop thinking that, that money's only designed to be something that you can use for upgrades and experiences and start to see that, that money is a resource and a tool and in, 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 in its hand, there's no emotion at all. In your bank account, there's no emotion at all, but it can be sent to work. It's a resource. It can be used for God's plans and God's purposes. And you don't have to worry about, about, I mean, manage it well. By the way, lots of stuff in the Bible about that. We're gonna be doing a series in two months time called You Economy, how you can manage your finances the way God intended us for managing our finances. When you start to see as God sees, you will be more inclined to do what God wants. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word renew. Anyone watch the block? We, we, we love the block. It's a little bit of a sickening disease in our house. I think we've watched them all. Anyway, I watch them purely for the building, not for the drama. If I wanted to watch the drama, I'd watch The Bachelorette, which I don't. Um, <laughs> last year, their series was uh, The Block Elstonwick. If you've just uh, moved here from Germany, I apologize that this means nothing to you. Um, the Block Elstonwick, where they, they found these five weatherboard dilapidated houses in various remote locations around wherever. And they brought them into a street in in uh, outskirts of uh, Melbourne CBD a suburb called Elstonwick, and they put these five barely hanging together weatherboard houses in uninhabitable, dilapidated, and and they were given the job of renewing those houses, renewing, renew. They were once new. Something happened to make them less than what they were designed for. And then couples were charged with the responsibility of renewing them, to transform them into more and better. But it required them not to just kind of just put things onto the existing infrastructure, it actually required them to first take things away. Out with the old, and then in with the new, out with the 
old and then in with the new. And one of the things that's gonna stop some of you from getting what you really want is you. There's some things, some old things that the first thing you need to be doing in 2018 is getting them out, is taking them out, out with the old and then in with the new, out with thinking that God's mad at you, that's the old, and understanding that God's mad about you and that's the new. Out with thinking that God is a buzzkill and just wants something from you and in with the new that God is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough and he wants more and better for you. Out with some of the lies that you've believed about yourself or that have been said about you that you've owned and they are holding you back from getting what you really want and in with the new of what God says about you, who God says you are, that you were so incredible that God sent his only son to die in your place, that he would experience death so you would never have to, out with the old and in with the new. And here's the payoff, Paul says. Then, if you do all these things, therefore offer your body as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, spelling mistake, man, also my fault, hen. (laughs) See, some of you didn't even notice that, see? It's like... I'm right, that's cool. Hen. It's true, our new house, one of the upgrades I'm doing is we're getting chickens. I just, that's all I think about. (laughs) Podcast listeners, don't feel left out. If you actually go into our podcast, it actually has the slide deck in our podcast and you will see that I made a typo. Silent T. Then, then, if you do this, here's the payoff. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will be able to test and approve. You'll be able to know. You'll be able to know what God really wants. If you do these things, if you live like this, if you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, if you allow yourself to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will get to learn what God really wants, not from you, but for you. That's some pretty good return on the investment right there, huh? Well, whilst it won't be the last time that there are missing slides and typos this year, this is the end of our series, How to Get What You Really Want. <laughs> I know, I feel your pain. I've loved this. And here's what I'd encourage you to do. I gave you some homework uh, through this month. I'd encourage you to revisit some of that. I don't encourage people necessarily to take notes of everything I'm saying because there was years when I did that and all I'd had was like full notebooks on my shelf that I never went back and looked at. But I, but I strongly encourage you to have something handy when you're hearing God's Word preached that, that you can just note what God's saying to you. And it might just be one thing, one thing each week. Because we have the opportunity to hear a fresh word from God, something that He prepared for you in advance 
that he wants you to take and own and not just, mm, good, but apply out there. So I'd encourage you to do it. Now, next week, we're launching a new series called Life Hacks. And it's very much a follow-on from out with the old and in with the new. Out with the less and in with more and better. Out with settling for something that our world would say is tolerable and hack that and replace that with what God says is optimal. So be here, bring a friend, and let's enjoy and learn and grow together over these next four weeks.